0: Thank you. listening to the Seven Rivers Student Ministry podcast a ministry of Seven Rivers Church in Citrus County Florida here at SRSM we believe that all students are lovable through a relationship with Jesus visit our website at sevenrivers.org/students So yeah, we're going to be in Galatians chapter one, and we're going to go all the way to chapter two, verse 21. We're not going to read all of it, but that's where we're going to be. And so as you guys are turning there, I'm going to ask you guys a question. This is a question that you may have heard before, or maybe you've even heard me ask you before. If you were to die today and go to the gates of heaven and God asked you, why should I let you in? What would you say to God? If If you were at heaven's gates and God said, why should I let you in? What would you say? Would you say to God, you should let me in because I'm good. You should let me in because I didn't do drugs. Would you say you should let me in because I didn't do bad things. Would you say you should let me in because I was a good brother, a sister, a good student. I made good grades. I'm a really good athlete. What would you say to God to prove that you are worthy to enter heaven? The Apostle Paul who writes Galatians In 50 AD, that was like almost 2,000 years ago, writes a letter to the church of Galatia. That's why it's called Galatians. It's the people of Galatia. And Paul asked them this question. If Paul were to ask them this question, what you should let me in, what would would they have said? If Paul asked the Galatians this question, they would have said, you should let me in. This is their answer. The Galatian church would say, you should let me in because we believe in Jesus and because we are circumcised. This is not the right answer. Paul knows this. And so he writes an entire letter so that they can understand the gospel, so that they can understand what it really means to be saved. So I said a big word there, circumcision. We're gonna have to talk a little bit about that in order to understand Galatians. And so we're gonna talk a little bit about circumcision. We're gonna talk about why they thought that circumcision was required to be a Christian. So. I actually, if you want to keep your finger in Galatians, keep it there, like put your finger there and then turn to the beginning of the Bible to Genesis, okay? So keep your finger in Galatians, go to Genesis chapter 17. And so this is how, this is so important to understand why circumcision is such a big deal. So God is making a covenant in the beginning with a man named Abraham. And maybe you guys have heard of him. And he says to Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation, a nation that's so big that it will bless the world. And so the sign and promise is circumcision, which on the eighth day, every baby boy is marked by the cutting of their private part. So this is the mark of circumcision. So in Genesis 17, 9 through 14, I'm gonna read to you how the people of God, how God's family is marked. So God said to Abraham, oh, sorry, Genesis 17, verse 9 through 14. So read along with me. God said to Abraham, remember, keep your finger in Galatians. God said to Abraham, as for you, you're going to keep my covenant, and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. So, this is my covenant, which you'll still keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. That's the cutting of their private part. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you, a baby, a little baby, will be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house, or bought with your money from any foreigner who's not of your offspring will be circumcised. Both he who's born in your house and he who's bought with your money, shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who's not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. This is why in Galatia, they're like, oh, you need to be circumcised. You don't want to be cut off from God's family. God has set a sign to mark the body as separate, this sign to separate the male body and say, hey, this person belongs to the family of God. And if you are not going to do that, then you will be cut off from God's family. So this is, this is Genesis 17. This is the origin story of circumcision. It's this covenant promise through Abraham. It's through this action is, is the sign and seal that we're gonna get this great nation called Israel, right? You guys have heard of it. There's actually still a nation called Israel. And then you get the religion called Judaism. So in our modern day, what do we call these people? We call them Jews, right? The sign of circumcision symbolizes that you belong to God and that he is your father you guys following me here? That's that's why it's so important. And so if you're not circumcised, you will be cut off from God's family and therefore cut off from his blessings, cut off from heaven. This is why circumcision is required. And Moses writes down in the law, if you want to turn to Leviticus 12, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, keep your finger in Galatians, Genesis 12, two through three, Moses writes down the law and says, this is the law that you're supposed to keep. All right, this is very important. Okay, God, says, you need to obey this law in order to have life. And so Leviticus 12, two through three, Leviticus 12, two through three says this, speak to the people of Israel saying, if a woman conceives and bears a male child, then he shall be unclean for seven days. As at that time of menstruation, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of the boy's foreskin shall be circumcised. So this is in the law. This is like, a big deal. If you're, if this does not happen to you, the Jews, Judaism, if you're in Judaism, you're like, you don't belong to God's family. You don't have his blessings. So what do you think, you know, Paul's thinking here? And and what do you think he's going to try to do here? Well, we're going to see a little bit. So Jesus, do you guys know that Jesus is a Jew? He's a Jewish man. He enters the scene and he is circumcised on the eighth day and he obeys God's law perfectly. Jesus in Matthew 17, he says this, that he has come to fulfill the law. The law requires that anyone who breaks it, what's their punishment? Death, cursing, separation from God's family. You and I, every single one of us in this room have broken the law and we deserve death, right? In our sins, we deserve to die. And because of that, one day we will all die because of sins. But Jesus never sinned, right? Jesus never sinned. He never broke the law. He deserved what? To live forever. But what does Jesus do? He chooses to die and in his perfect life and perfect death, he does what? He pays the penalty forever for all those who have faith in him. So now if you have faith in Jesus, you do not have to be circumcised physically, but instead by faith, Jesus, in Jesus, your heart is circumcised. This means that something has changed in you. You've been transformed. This idea of being circumcised in the heart is mentioned even in the law as well, well before Jesus even enters the scene. Look at Deuteronomy 30, verse six. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Keep your finger in Galatians. Look at Deuteronomy 30, verse six. This idea that, hey, God's circumcising your body, but that's not going to be good enough. What he's realizing is that human beings, even though we are outwardly obeying the law, there's an inward condition in our heart that's corrupt and that needs to be transformed in order to change us from the inside out. And so there's this vision in the law of the circumcision of the heart. Here's Deuteronomy 30 verse 6. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. Faith in Jesus results in your heart being circumcised in transformation of your entire life. Therefore, you no longer have to have your body circumcised. So this is what Paul in Galatians is gonna get at. And as we go through Galatians, the entire book, you're gonna understand now, because you understand this, what he's trying to say to them. As Christianity is spreading, and the good news is spreading, there are Jews... Who were saying in order to be saved, you need to believe in Jesus, but also you need to be circumcised physically. And Paul's saying, no, stop it. It is in Jesus alone that you are saved and brought into God's family. It's not Jesus plus circumcision. It's not Jesus plus perfect obedience. It's not Jesus plus being a good person. Listen to me. It's not Jesus but plus don't do drugs. It's not Jesus but plus go to church. It's just simply Jesus. This means that you do not have to become a Jew to become a Christian. So now for the first time, we can see salvation for the world is not just for Israel, not just for Jews, but God's family now is everybody, can be everybody. In Paul's days, those who were not called Jews, you know what they called them? Gentiles. Gentiles. That's what they called them. Sorry, that's your last name, but we don't pronounce it that way. But that's, we call them Gentiles. So everyone in this room, if you're not Jewish, you are a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. We're all Gentiles. If you're Jewish, you're a Jew. It's kind of saying like when you call someone a Gentile, you're saying anyone that's not a Jew. So let us now read Paul's letter to Galatians. So if you go back to Galatians, we're going to be in verses 1, 11 through 24. I'm going to read those to you. Um, You're also going to get to read those in your reading plan. All right, here we go. For I would have you know, brothers, this is Paul, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's important. The gospel that he's sharing is not one made up by a man, but it's given to him by a God. The good news is given to him by Jesus. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. Paul was a Jew. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous I was for the traditions of my fathers, which means I was a really, really good Jew. I was really good at it. Like I was really good at obeying the law and studying it and reading it and knowing it. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who had called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, Jesus, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, those who are not Jews, I did not immediately consult with anyone nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went out to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, who is Peter, the disciple, one of Jesus' disciples, and remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, which is Jesus' brothers. And when I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said. He who used to persecute us now, preaching the faith, he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Something happened to Paul. So look down in verses 15 through 21. What happened? What happened to Paul? He used to persecute the church and then he's transformed into someone who is actually building the church. We ourselves are Jews by birth. Um, This is chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ, not only by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, which is saved in Christ, which has been redeemed and and found perfect in Christ, we too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Lots of words. We're going to just break it down a little bit and then we're going to be done. So hang with me. So before Paul was a Christian, did you guys catch that in the story? He was a Jew. He did a good job at obeying the law of Moses, right? So he was circumcised, he knew all the laws, he did all that stuff. So he's telling the Galatians, "I understand how to be a good person. I know I understand how to follow the law of God." So if God asked Paul at that time, "Why should I let you in heaven?" Paul would say, "It's because I'm a good Jew who believes in you." But this is wrong. You see Paul was a good Jew. But he hated Christians. He hated Jesus. He was part of murdering of Christians and committed his life to destroying Jesus' church. But in Galatians 1, verse 12, if you look there real quick, Paul says that something happened to him. What does it say in verse 12? He says he met Jesus, and that forever changed his life. When Paul met Jesus, he became a Christian. And the church that he committed himself to destroy ended up becoming the church that he committed himself to. To build. And it is this that God, we see that God is glorified. Look at verses 23 through 24. He says, they knew me in chapter one, 23 through 24. It says, they knew me as the guy who persecuted the church. And they're like, who is this guy who's talking about the good news of Jesus? And for this transformation, they glorified God. Paul was saved, not through his circumcision, but he was saved through Jesus alone. Look at Galatians chapter two, verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Then look at verse 20, Galatians 2.20. and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Is Paul justified or saved because of what he has done? Because of his obedience? Because of his good works? Because of his circumcision? Is he? No. He's saved because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus alone that Paul is rescued from sin and death. It's because of Jesus alone that he's transformed from a persecutor of the church to a builder of the church. From sinner to saint. From an enemy of God to a son of God. This is amazing. None of you guys have killed somebody, Paul has. And yet, he is saved by Jesus. And yet, he sits in heaven with Christ. Some of you guys in this room are beating yourselves up and are really don't like yourselves. I'm like, why? And Christ, you're God's son. You're saved. You're not God's enemy. He does not hate you, but he loves you and he adores you. You belong to him. If God can save Paul, he can save you and he can save me. In verse 20, it is because if you look there, why why is Paul saved? Why are you saved? It's because it says Jesus loved him. And Jesus, and how do we know this? It's because Jesus gave himself up for Paul. He died for you. So when someone loves you like this, if someone were to give up their life for you, you would never forget them. You would never forget them ever. This is exactly what Jesus has done for you. He has saved you and it changes you and it is amazing. I'm going to share a quick story. There's a man named Jeffrey Dahmer. He's a serial killer. He would murder young men. He confessed to killing, in his lifetime, 17 men. He was imprisoned. But while he was in prison, do you know who he met? He, he met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, he started going to church. And one of, you know what happened when he started going to church? He stopped eating people. Listen. One of the church members murdered him. And so he lost his life. So when God, when Jeffrey Dahmer met and got to heaven, and God said, why should I let you in heaven? What do you think he said? Did Jeffrey Dahmer say, I'm a good person? Did Jeffrey Dahmer say, I kind of figured it all out at the end. You should let me in. I, I, I'm, you know? No, you know what he said? He said, you should let me in because... Jesus invited me, and Jesus said, I could come. When Jesus was being crucified on the cross, and you're like, oh, how can Jesus save Jeffrey Dahmer? When Jesus was being crucified on the cross, there were two thieves being crucified next to him. One thief mocked Jesus, but the other asked Jesus to remember him and his kingdom. And do you know what Jesus said to the one who said, will you remember me? He said, today, even though you've lived a life that deserves to be killed, crucified, even though you lived the life of a criminal, you're being murdered, you're being killed on this cross justly. Today, you, who in the last seconds of your life, who's done nothing with your life, but completely trash it, you will be with me in paradise. And so when he came to the gates of heaven and God said, why should I let you in? He points to Jesus and says, he said, I could, he said, I could come. He invited me. Jeffrey Dahmer, the thief on the cross, and Paul and me lived lives and have lived lives unworthy of heaven. And yet today, if I were to die, and if I were to be asked, why God would ask, why should I let you in? I would say, Jesus invited me. And tonight, I want you to know that Jesus invites you. Not because of anything you've done, but simply Look at verse 20. Look there, Galatians 2, 20. Why? Because he loves you. It says it right there. Paul, he was loved, and Jesus gave himself up for Paul. And this changes everything. And we're going to talk about this for the next few weeks. So let me pray. We're going to go get pizza, and then...